Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Face to face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So welcome to Face to Face. Uh, today's guest is uh, a Canadian, a Toronto-born actor, uh, Jason Hildebrand. I think he's Toronto-born anyway. He'll probably correct me momentarily. Jason, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. So I would. I am Toronto-born. You are Toronto-born. <laughs> North York General. North York General. There you go. Excellent. And was it an easy birth, Jason? You don't even want to know. Yeah, we got to ask your mom about that. I, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a long story. So, so Jason's an actor. He's a producer. He's a filmmaker, um, uh, and he's been working for about uh, about fifteen years in the uh, in the Toronto area, and partnering with different uh, theatrical and, and film companies, doing corporate work, doing stage work. I've seen a couple of his plays, and uh, he's worth pursuing. His. Um, uh, his website is jasonhildebrand.com. That's Jason, H-I-L-D-E-B-R-A-N-D.com. So, Jason, why, pray tell, did you get into acting? Oh, my goodness. Uh, probably because I didn't know how to do anything else. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was, Jason, I was interviewing an entertainer not long ago, and I, and I yeah. kind of I, I, I asked him the question, something along those lines, and he basically said, well, because I'm lazy. <laughs> that was oh, that's his, funny. Yeah, that was his answer. Yeah, you know, it's, I've been a storyteller my whole life, and um, and the things that make me uh, excited in life uh, have to do with uh, 
you know, stripping away veneer and getting to the core of things. And I think hopefully good actors and, and good art uh, uh, takes off the, the sheen and looks underneath uh, to find the, the, the beauty and the brokenness. So, so, peel, so peeling back those layers. Yeah, very much so. So would, would a film like uh, American Beauty be one of your, your all-time faves? You know, the whole notion of, uh, I think the tagline on the poster was look closer. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if it's up there in my all-time faves, but I, I mean, I really, I really appreciated what he was doing with with the with the film. Uh, I think there's a lot of like really interesting things. I think I think uh, humanity is very good at trying to hide. Uh, we try and put up lots of walls and barriers, and we try and look uh, more impressive than we are, or we try and hide uh, our brokenness. And I think. Uh, to me, what's most interesting is getting under the surface and actually finding the beauty in the brokenness. Mm. Um, so that's, and, and as an actor as well, that's, that's where I like to mine from. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned brokenness a couple of times. Would you, would you call uh, most actors, most performers, uh, artists, uh, would, would they kind of be categorized as broken people? I know I am. Uh, I'm pro, I don't know if they would all categorize themselves that. I think maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, in order to get at the truth, uh, you know, a lot of kind of, a lot of television these days uh, or even films uh, are very, is very, well, there's kind of two camps. There's the ultra mega brokenness ones where, you know, people think we have to go into the depths of the darkness so far down into all the, the muck and the mire, and it's so horrible uh, and there's no hope. Right. And I'm not kind of interested in going into the brokenness without finding the hope. I think that that's, that's very dangerous and, and kind of pointless. Um, uh, and then there's the really glossy kind of reality TV junk where, where nobody's telling the truth because they're all lying about everything. Right. right. And right. so I think m- my interest, I would say, is more, you know, going down into the brokenness to find both beauty, but I think if, if in any of my work, if I'm not offering hope at the end, then I, then I have failed as an artist. I think, mm, I think great art has to offer hope. And I, what I mean by hope, I don't mean happy endings. I don't mean like everything needs to be shiny and wonderful at the end. I just mean that even if you end on a, on a difficult note or a dark note, that darkness, that moment needs to lead you into some kind of hope. You know what I mean? Right. I, I mean, does it lead you maybe to another question? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure, but I, you know, there, we, I've, I can't. Now I can't. It doesn't come to mind what what the movie was, but I saw a movie recently, and it was just. You go through the whole thing, and you think, okay, well, it's really interesting that I've I've just explored all this darkness, but at the end of it, there's just absolutely nothing. There's right, just darkness, right, right? And I think, I think that that's a that's a sad comment if all we've got to look forward to is the darkness of our own souls. Did you ever see a film by Mike Lee called Naked with David Thewlis? Um, a few, no. quite a few years back I mean it just when you said darkness and sort of all around us I just I, there's a scene where he walks through an empty uh, apartment building and he kind of goes on about existential despair in life it's yeah. a brilliant scene and I think I think he should I mean I remember there being controversy around the time that he wasn't nominated for this uh, um, this was way before Harry Potter of course and so on and yeah, other, yeah, yeah. other films that he's done but it's this brilliant about 15 or 17 minute kind of soliloquy huh. and it's really dark uh, right. I mean, I find that kind of film appealing, but I think I'm with you. I think I, I agree. I think I want 
I want a little bit of hope. I want to, I want to at least maybe an inkling, you know, American beauty ended with Kevin Spacey's character getting his head blown off. Yeah. And yet for me, there was this beauty in, in this man's life and the fact that he made this realization and the beauty of his wife and his children and, and the leaves and his grandmother's old hands. I mean, isn't this a crazy, beautiful world? You know, we live in. Yeah, I think my my uh, probably up in the top three movies of all time is Robert Altman's uh, Shortcuts. Okay, yeah, Shortcuts, uh, yeah. and uh, and I love that movie. But it also ends in this horrifying, terrible ending. Uh, but I find all kinds of hope in that movie because uh, there's so many interesting things going on, and and they take you into the they take you right down into the darkness of things, into into the mess of of, of people's lives. But but they don't leave. It, he doesn't leave you there. He leaves things open for you to to dream and to hope and to and to root for and want to go with these characters and not give up on them. Right. Right. And, and, I, and quite frankly, I think that's you know very much uh, what, what God does with us. You know, I grew up in the in in the um, you know the evangelical. Uh, it's a good thing Jesus came so that we wouldn't burn in hell for all eternity kind of model of church right? Okay. And, and Christianity, which, which always made me crazy because it presumed that I was junk and it's a good thing Jesus came to redeem my sorry butt. Right. And, right. uh, and I kept thinking there's got to be, there has got to be more than this. So what, because, what, hey, Jason, what level of hell were you destined for? Was it, you know, seven, well, level seven or level I eight? I don't know. I, I think actors where, were pretty low, actually. I don't know where on Dante's scale <laughs> right. was. There. I think he put you guys pretty low. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. But, but it, was, it would just drive me crazy because I would think to myself, okay, well, this, this can't be it. Uh, you know, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, I can't imagine he would want to die on a cross to save junk. Right, and, right. And it took me a long time to, to have the epiphany that, indeed, I wasn't junk, but that I was his kid. Right. Uh, and and I'm deeply loved and deeply treasured. Uh, and 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 you, the, you know, what what one of us parents wouldn't wouldn't take one for our kid? You know, what right. one of us right. parents wouldn't do anything for our children? And so this kind of idea made way more sense to me. You know what I mean? And so I think that I live in that space of wanting to find the hope in the midst of my brokenness. And and, and I'm wanting to uh, live that out as an actor on a stage or tell that story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, have you seen um, Have you seen Silver Linings Playbook? Not yet. So we can't really talk about it too much, but it, it would it would be. And, and I'm not worried about giving away the ending for you, but it's um, I just it's an interesting film. It really stuck with me, and I think you know partially because of the performances, but it's about people's brokenness and about the basically right. their their shit, basically, and their yep. baggage that yep. they're working through. All of the characters, frankly, in the film, um, it maybe ends just a little too nicely for my liking, and it would be a, it would be great for you and I to have a follow up conversation about that because. Well, I- I would love to do that. Yeah, because there's brokenness, there's hope, and then there's, oh, come on, guys. Is that really how this ended? Well, that's Hollywood, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they did, like, test screenings all over the place. Yeah. uh, And the people left going, oh. You know, we we can't we can't. This is not going to be an Academy Award winning movie if you if you don't have a happy ending. Right, right. right. Um, and so you know, oftentimes those independent films all of a sudden become these kind of you know interesting blockbusters. Yeah. And that's when the ending changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably true. Test test screenings probably uh, make a lot of difference. I would imagine. You know, it's like it's like I just watched. Uh, 
recently rewatched Blade Runner. Oh, that's and, okay. So I don't know if you know, but that's like top film for me of yeah, all time. I'm, I, I'm up there. So I bought the 30th anniversary edition or whatever, right? Oh, nice. So Good for you. It's got all the extra features and uh, talking about the pl- but but the thing. But the, I didn't like the original one because it had all this voiceover stuff. Yep, yep. And so they go into this whole dialogue about how the how the people, uh, you know, the people with the money, uh, were saying, "Oh, this doesn't make any sense. You have to put in the, you have to put in the, the voiceover and this, that, and the other thing." So things can get very uh, quickly uh, changed uh, in Hollywood, yes. depending on who's in charge. Oh, for sure, who's got the money in the checkbook? Yeah. Hey, hey, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Ringing any bells? Uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. Very high on my list. That end scene with Rutger Hauer is just absolutely oh. beautiful with the doves. It's, it's, and the, it's crazy. It's, it's, an, it's amazing. crazy, crazy good. <laughs> so, well, I mean, if you like Blade Runner, clearly you like dark films. So that's, I'm, I'm glad. So there's another, oh, yeah. another yeah. reason why we can be friends, Jason. <laughs> um, nice. So uh, when we chatted last, you yep. talked about a couple of things that I found pretty interesting. And I, and I, and I made a few notes. I think, I don't know if you had just come out of some auditions or something, but you talked about the audition not really being the audition and I don't even remember what the context was I hope you do yeah what, I was talking can, about a young actor can, friend of mine yeah can you uh, tease, tease that out a bit yeah well the young actor friend of mine and um, you know I've been kind of inviting him into the process of what we're doing with our with uh, a theater company that I'm working with the, uh, the arts engine and uh, you know so inviting him to various rehearsals and to, to help out in various ways and just trying to get his feet wet because he's trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. Great guy. Lots of talent. Needs to be trained, but great guy. And uh, and so, you know, there have been times that he's just kind of really dropped the ball in the last in the last while. And, what, and, so, and, and what does that mean? Well, not showing up for things that he was invited to that he said he'd be at or, or not, um, you know... Uh, Recently, he came in for an audition for something we were we were putting together, and he wasn't prepared as much as I think he should have been. Things like that, mm-hmm. and uh, and so before he even got to the audition, you know, uh, another colleague and I were talking. We're just saying, you know what? He's been auditioning for the last four months by right. being around, but he hasn't been around. So when he's around, he's amazing, but he has a hard time committing to things like that, right? So we were just talking about, and I think where our discussion was is that, you know, the audition is not always the audition. Life is the audition. Right, You know, right. being in the room is the audition. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I would, you know, uh, I would be interested in giving him a shot, not because he came in and did one cool five-minute audition. I'd be interested in giving him a shot because I've just spent the last four months with the guy hanging around, and I like him. And I think he's got kind of potential, right? Yeah. But but when you don't show up, you can't. You, that definitely reflects on on the, whether I want to put you in a cast and go on the road or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I mean, in a so I mean, in a sense, what you're saying is there's a whole lot more to acting than just acting. There's, well, yeah, there's, and especially a, a production that tours, or any production, but especially a production that tours. If I'm going to be on the road for five weeks with somebody, I want to, I want to actually like them. Right. And I conceivably would go with the guy I liked more but isn't as good of an actor than the best actor who's a jerk. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and when you, it's your company, you can, you can have some say in that kind of stuff. But I remember my acting teacher always saying that, you know, 
he uh, he when I was at York for theater, uh, I remember him telling me that exact thing that you know uh, he hired guys for you know definitely based on their skill, but he sure would like to go for a pint after the game with yeah. somebody nice or yeah. after the yeah. show with yeah. somebody nice. Yeah. You know? And so uh, I think that holds true. I think that holds true in most of life that, you know, there are reasons you're friends with people and, uh, and you like to ha- I like to, I really like to hang out and work with the people that I like. Do you think that this is why uh, some of the, you know, some actors have handlers and assistants and so on to sort of help them maintain uh, some sense of normalcy in their, you know, in their everyday life? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably is. Yeah. I mean, there's really, uh, you know, when, when you start getting to that kind of bigger Hollywood level of, of acting, you know, people say, oh, that guy got, guy got paid a million bucks for that job. Well, you know, it's, it's easy to say, well, he wasn't doing much, but doing that job is not, it's not that easy. It's not, it's not that easy a thing. And, you, you know, as much as it's great, you give up a whole lot of stuff, too, you know, and, and uh, you know, so if, like a film, let's say a film takes four months to shoot. So it's four months of work and, and you're signing off on things and you lose your, you can't be around your family for four months or it's very distracted or, you know, you know there's lots of that kind of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, sure. Um, or at theater, you don't make any money, and and uh, and you have to do all those things. Well, I mean, I think you're, you, you know, with this guy that you're talking about, this mentee, I guess you could refer to him as that you're talking yeah, yeah. about. He, you, I mean, live theater, a whole different ball game, right? You've got sure. you got deadlines, you got tour, you got hotel rooms. I mean, with a film, it's or with a TV commercial, it's a little bit different, I would imagine. Yep. Yep. Uh, different sort of uh, expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and, and when we're on tour, like, for instance, uh, touring a production coming up called The Big Picture, The Bible in Two Hours, there's five actors and one stage manager, four guys and two girls. And so, you know, I'm always sharing a room with somebody. Yeah. So it's nice to be on tour with somebody that I actually want to share a room with right. for right. X amount of time, right? Right, sure. And, uh, and you know, you're, you're spending every meal with these people for five weeks. Um. And so, yeah, there's something here about uh, a business acumen. There's something here about relationship management. It seems to me, you know, oh, or, sure. or just simply being friendly. <laughs> maybe, well, friendly maybe it just comes to me, right? Being, you know, I think the thing about doing a show like this and being in a cast like the one I'm going to be involved with is that you all want to go in that God journey together, right? You want to get in the ship and you want to sail across the lake with Jesus, and you have no idea what it's going to look like, but you're gonna you're doing it, and. Uh, and, you know, you don't want somebody kind of going, I don't really want to go across the lake. Right. You know, yeah, you want yeah. to all be moving in the same direction, same direction together because yeah. sure. where the show starts and where the show finishes on the tour are two completely different places. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we basically you want to have somebody who's up for it, who's up for the go, yeah. you know, yeah. who's up yeah. for the journey, who's willing to not stay in the same place, who's willing to listen to the voice of God and go down that path. Right. Right. Um, you said that uh, uh, stories uh, were kind of central for you, were kind of important. Steve, I think Steven Spielberg said once, you know, whatever you think about his directing, I don't know. But, you know, he's certainly done some pretty amazing films over the years. But he said sure. that pe- people have forgotten how to tell stories. Do you, do you think there's truth in that? I agree. I completely, I completely agree. And I think we're, we're starting to get back to it. I think what ha- what's happened in our 
uh, is that our world has become so rational and, uh, and um, you know, numbers and I, uh, content driven as opposed to story driven. And I think that the shift has started to happen. Uh, I think part of our dilemma has become with technology, uh, um, you know, stories are meant to be told in community, I think. Yes, yes. I think, I think that, and, and, and I can pull out my iPhone and I can find all the most interesting, entertaining things in the whole world. I really never have to leave my bedroom. I could look at my iPhone forever and, and be entertained eternally. Right, right. But, but that does nothing for my, you know, long term, I don't know if that could really sustain my soul because we're, we're made to be in community. Um, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, I think it's something that, well, it's, I mean, I live, you live in Toronto, I live in the suburbs, I grew up outside of Toronto, and uh, it's, uh, it's a very different thing, right? Um, demographically sure. and architecturally, well, maybe not so much architecturally, but there seems to be, there seems to be, I'm not going to say there is more community in the city of Toronto than there is in the city of Mississauga or Oakville or, or Etobicoke, but I think your community is, is a, I mean, it's about the, it's about the immediacy, the immediacy of it. It's about the, you know, the people that you're interacting with, uh, on a daily basis. Are you actually getting outside, you know, right. uh, and actually connecting. Well, I think one of the interesting things about being in this city, and people always say, oh, I don't know how you could live in the city. And, uh, and, and uh, I understand that from a commuter perspective, because if I had to commute into Toronto every day, I think I'd pull all my hair out. But, yeah. but in terms of what you're talking about, the community, you know, I walk everywhere in the city. So I know my neighbors. I know yeah. what goes on yeah. three houses down the street. I know I have to... I don't park in front of my house. I have to park on a side street. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, I know what's going on. And so in the suburbs, people drive into their garage, it closes, and they don't have to communicate with their neighbors. Uh, I mean, that's not always the case, but I, that's kind of, you know, what I've found is that the, uh, it's kind of that paradigm. And so, you know, we, we actually like being here because we walk by the same people all the time going to the grocery store and we we know the clerks at the grocery store and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. yeah that you know that happens too you know in the crazy suburbs but it's for sure probably not probably not quite as often so tell me a little bit more about this story the, the storytelling thing i mean it sounds like a pretty uh, sort of bleak uh comment by by spielberg in a way um i mean why is it so meaningful is it is it that we become such a digital facebook kind of twitter culture that we don't have to tell stories or do are we just you know at the end of the day are we just lazy well i think i think i think we're more tired than lazy uh probably i think life is so full and so busy that we end up just coming home flicking on our media and uh, trying to escape. And what we really need is to engage and, um, and, and uh, you know, figure out how our stories connect together. And I think, you know, there used to be a forum for that. In many ways, I think North American theater is dead mm -hmm. uh, uh, because of the, the digital age. But, you know, having just finished a run uh, of a new show called Breathe, uh, I can tell you that... Uh, People are hungry for it. I, I watched it in my audience. I watched them needing to figure out how their story fit into the grander story of uh, the people around them and the even grander story of God and his love for us. Um, and so I think people are, 
though they don't maybe frame it like this or recognize it, they're absolutely hungry to uh, recognize that their lives actually count for something more than right. get up, go to work, come home, watch TV, get up, go to work, come home, and then on the weekend possibly, you know, go to the coffee shop or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you said uh, you said in a, a, a recent conversation to, to me as well about breathe. Um, we were chatting a little bit about the the the, the run coming up and so on, and you sure. said that it's about it's about it's a play about living in the moment. And I think your quote was about, you know, just, you know, just to, to, to sort of learn again, how to stop and listen. Um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Uh, this whole idea of stopping and listening. I mean, it's very much a spiritual concept. It's, it's mm-hmm. very much a part of Buddhism. It's, I mean, it's yep. it pretty much runs through all religions. It seems to me, yeah. um, sure. this whole notion of meditating and, and being present. And I know in my own life, uh, I find it incredibly difficult to be present. It's very hard. I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, I have a friend, an artist who's doing a piece on a very large canvas. And what he's done is he's taken just a, a variety of different to-do lists that he's made on post-it notes and on newspapers and on piece of paper. And he's, and he's kind of gluing them all on this canvas. And I'm not really right. sure what he's going to do with it, but they've got lines through them and X's and tick marks. And, and it's just, I, I mean, I think I want to buy this piece when he's done, you know, <laughs> life, yeah. life is not just a series of completed to-do lists. And, and yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah, so it's hard to be present, and my kids have helped with that. My my thinking about wonder has helped, and so on. So anyway, I'd love for you to chat about that a little bit uh, more about this this idea of um, this idea of being present, and and maybe even how that connects to being crummy storytellers. Well, I, exactly. I I think that we're so um, that we end up be, moving into autopilot because we're we're. I know that my life, I, you know, I could have anticip- couldn't have anticipated how fast life goes. I, I have four kids, and it's just like boom, boom, boom. It's like you know, we're taking it to piano lessons, and we're going to this, and we're going to that, and then we're getting homework done, and then you know, I've got a show going on, and my wife's working on her work, and and the house needs cleaning, and then you know, this, that, and the other thing, and we we just go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, somehow thinking we're going to get our to do list to do list done, and we just yep. never do. Yep. Uh, and really, uh, you know, all those things are good. All those things are necessary. We need to work. We need to get all these things done. We need to take our kids to, to classes and to school and all the rest of it. But, but, you know, what is the thing that we should be filtering our souls through so we can do the day? And that's slowing down. And uh, one of the things I, I, I love about uh, breath and actually breathing correctly uh, as we are designed to breathe which is down in our diaphragm you know if you if i asked most people to take a breath they would take a huge breath in their chest uh, and they would cut off all the oxygen to your brain and that's what it does if you go like that that actually cuts off all the oxygen to your brain and you have no more oxygen flowing into your brain which means you have no ideas going in there right uh, and and what that also does is it disconnects the emotion uh from the rest of you and so um, what happens when you start to breathe in your diaphragm, your, your mind, body, spirit actually gets hooked up. You know, uh, it gets, it gets um, you know, like that chart where all the three circles are interlaced. Right, right. Um, yeah. But that's, that's how the body is designed for the mind, body, spirit to be moving together as one harmonious unit or other, much like the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are kind of in the same way moving together, right? Um, and so 
So in North America, we're really good, really good at the head part. We really know how to think and figure it out. Um, and we're not so good at the other two areas, especially the body. And uh, for, for, for Christians, for, uh, they're even worse at it because somehow they think that if they start living in their body, they're going to be having sex with everybody, right. Um, right. And which, is, which is weird. But, but you know, uh, and I think... You and, know, the and, rest- and in some cultures, probably not such a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brother. <laughs> but but this idea of allowing breath to come and the idea that breath is actually when you don't have breath you are not alive. Like that's interesting that you know really breath is life. And uh, and spiritually speaking from a Christian perspective um you know the spirit is breath. Uh when 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 God created all things, it actually, the Hebrew is not he spoke. The Hebrew is he exhaled. Hmm. He ah, breathed and all things were created. Hmm. And, I, and I find that very fascinating. Uh, and so I, I, I'm, I'm starting to, and I'm not very good at this either, I'm starting to slow down and try and breathe. And I find when the breath comes and I stop and I pause, um, and you can, I know, I, I mean, kind of active pausing, not just like sitting in a room for six hours. Sure. Yeah. Um, but when you pause, then, then, then deeper thoughts start to come in. Thoughts of uh, of more importance than you know, what am I going to have for dinner? All yeah. those thoughts are important too. But you know what I mean. And so I, I've, I, I myself haven't experienced that yet. So I'm, I've been doing yoga now for over a year and loving yeah. it. And yeah. it's about meditation. I do restorative yoga. So it's about holding pretty, you know, the hardcore hot yoga folk would think I was a wimp and that's okay. But the poses I'm holding are, you know, child's pose for 10 minutes and, yep. you know, some of these poses, but it's about the breathing. It's about coming down. It's about focus and being centered and so on. And what I find truly remarkable is how I can center and focus for all of about seven seconds. Yep. And then I'm thinking about dinner, laundry, and I don't really do much laundry, uh, which yep. is peculiar in itself. Um, you know, just mind all over the place. Then you come back to the breath, and you, and you know your 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 instructor is you know always trying to bring you back to the breath. Be aware of the breath, and yep. let the tension go out of your jaw. And you find you've you've got tension in your jaw. Hang on a yep. second. I didn't think I had tension in my jaw. It's just it's crazy. It's and crazy. so so recently I've been doing some physio, and uh, I, I dislocated my shoulder like 20 years ago, and it's been acting up. And what I found interesting about the physio and the yoga is that physio is really about posture and posture is really about being in the moment and being present and being focused. And it's so deeply connected to breath. Absolutely. It's really quite phenomenal. And I've never made that connection before. Maybe everyone else out there has, but for me, that was kind of revealing. And so now as I walk or as I'm driving, I find the poor posture in place and I correct and I do a stretch and so on. Same with my breath. I'm actually now trying to use it in situations where, you know, frankly, it's probably going to be ultimately helpful and hopefully, you know, we'll get it sorted out before they lay us in the grave. But, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing for something that's supposedly so natural can be so difficult to, to get a handle on. Well, I think the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, you watch a kid breathe and they don't have all the baggage, right? For the most part. And, and you see their little bodies, just their little, little stomachs in and out, in and out, in and out. And, and they, you know, and they're very in the moment, right? Kids are in the moment and they're breathing and they're, 
and, and then we start to layer on all of the stuff of life, yeah. more stuff of life, and yeah. more stuff of life, and and we almost educate our bodies and are out of out of being connected, right? Oh, uh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. We we we've learned disconnection. Yeah, it's like hab- habitual disconnection, and and yeah. I and I don't really know why, but but uh. Well, and, it, and it's 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 an entire, especially in North America, it's an, it's like a societal disease, this disconnection, and so the inability to breathe is actually a big fat wall between me and my neighbor or me and the guy watching me in the audience. Right, right, right. Uh, and, right. and, you know, as much as people have their, their <clears throat> other walls that they put up uh, of communication, that in itself, the inability to actually engage with the things that are going on inside of you, and I think people are very poor at checking in with themselves. They don't ever think, hey, I wonder how I'm doing. You know, they just do life. Right. And so, you know, one of the things I have just absolutely loved about the Breathe show that I uh, did based on Greg Paul's book, Close Enough to Hear God Breathe, um, was that I force people to stop, to slow down. Uh, and and I, so you either go with me or the show is a big waste of time for you. Right. Because, because I, 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 I go so slow at the beginning that it's almost like, it's, it's almost shocking. Right. Uh, to, to kind of get into that space of slowing down and to allow kind of this rhythm of breath to kind of take over. And, you know, one of the things that, that helps in the show is that Mike Jansen, who is like this uh, remarkable jazz pianist, plays underneath all of the scenes that I'm doing. Hmm. And so he builds this kind of breath rhythm thing um, that, that, you know, I think subversively gives people permission to to breathe differently, to think differently, to open up, that kind of thing. Right. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what do you do creatively when you hit a dry spell? I mean, I know it's, it's not really connected to what we were talking about, but in a sense, I think it might be on, oh, I on think some it levels. It's very connected. What, um, tell yeah, me a little I, bit about it and how you, how you react to it. Well, I think for myself... Uh, the tricky part about being a self-employed artist, and, cer- and certainly one who works often in the uh, in the faith community, and um, you know, doing his own thing, uh, is that uh, you spend most you spend ninety percent of your time working to get work, and ten percent of the time doing the thing you actually are made to do, which is create and to to perform or write or whatever, and so. You know, for I would say for the last number of years, I would I've been spending most of my time doing not creative things. Hmm. Um, and there are those people who find administration creative, right? Uh, and bless them, uh, but it's not me. Um, and so it, it, the pipes get rusty, and the pi- you know the ability to 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 not be checking my phone every five minutes, or the ability right. to not yep yep. To sh- to just shut off and not do email or not try and get a job because I know that next month I have no work is very hard. And, um, and with breathe, I had to, I literally had to, I felt like I had to fight through it. I had to, I had to, uh, I had to just keep plugging away and plugging away despite the fact that, uh, nothing was coming. Uh, and it was tricky and I felt like I was literally blowing out the residue in the pipes right, right. Uh, to get it, try and get it cleared because it was clogged up and clogged up and clogged up. And I, and I feel like I'm kind of still there. Hmm. Uh, and, and I'm in the process, I think in this next season of my life and learning how to just stop the administration and go into creative mode. 
um, and and really live and thrive in that place because I'm not good at doing both in the same day. I don't know what right, to do. Right. But if I start out doing administration, it's pretty unlikely that I'm going to have to be able to be creative that day. Yeah. Right. So, so you're not you're not you're not like Stephen King then. Stephen King, I think, says you know every write write at least a page every day, and at the end of a year, you'll have a book. You'll have 365 pages in his book on writing. It's a brilliant read, by the way. Um, uh, I don't well, know. He's if a you, master. I don't know if you've read it, but it's no, I haven't. Oh, it's excellent, Jason. So the 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 beginning of the book is about his 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 addictions. It's about his own brokenness, his own baggage, and then the rest of the book is about how to write. And and uh, one of the things he talks about among, along with a lot of other really valuable advice is, you know, just, it's the discipline of it. You just got to yep. sit down and do it. And, yep. uh, uh, yeah, great read. Hey, listen, we're getting close to, to wrapping up and, and, and maybe we can, uh, have you back as another guest another time, but sure. I, I want to, I'm, I'm a big David Cronenberg fan and, yep. you know, not a lot of people that I know are huge Cronenberg fans, but he said, um, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Here's the quote. Quote, just found it. You're seeing me develop not only as a filmmaker, if you've seen my earlier films, but you're seeing me kind of learn how to be a human. Close quote, which I think is beautiful. And I yeah. mean, and for those yeah. folks who have seen any of Cronenberg's work, you'd kind of go, what? <laughs> you know, you go back yeah. to Scanners or Video Roam or, or Rabbit or some of his really early stuff, and then even yeah. some of his more recent stuff, and you're kind of going, wow, is this, this guy's anything but human, you know, with some of the subject matter, the sexuality and the violence and so on that he's yeah. displaying on film. I, I, you don't need to go into a Cronenberg analysis, but tell me, tell me about how, you know, acting and how the film, uh, watching uh, and and performing and can make us you know better humans. I mean, because well, that's connected to the work that I do. I mean, I, the work yeah. that I do as a development worker, I believe, is connected to to you know the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. We're all born you know free and, yep. and right. Yeah. Yep. And, totally. and how do we start communicating that more globally? And it's and it's through communities, and it's through focusing, and it's through breathing, and yeah. it's you know it's by by. Noticing our neighbors and, le- and and getting to know the clerks at the at the shops and so on, you know all the stuff that we've talked about. But but yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it from a from well, an you, actors you, and an actor. You, you did a pretty good job right there. <laughs> um, Sorry. Well, it's it, it, it's interesting to, to to talk about this because I, I I had a number of comments after people saw Breathe um, about you know they really got to see who I was in the show, and I think. You know, as we progress as people, and certainly I know as I'm, uh, I'm progressing and hopefully deepening as an artist, um, I'm working. I'm working, and I don't mean that in, in the difficult sense. I mean that I'm working towards uncovering and allowing more of who I am to come out. Hmm. And so, to to Cronenberg's comment, I, I completely agree, and I can, I actually I, I I like Cronenberg as well. Um, and um, I like his recent stuff a lot. I think it's it's really interesting where he's been going with things um, and the questions he's exploring. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, very much, I, I think what we all need to come to realize is that we're all not so different. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's good. We, we, we all long for the same thing. We long to be loved. We long to not feel abandoned. We long to, to, and I'll come back to the thing that I aspire to in my own work. We all are desperate for hope, hope right. that there's yeah. more, there's more than what we have. And I don't mean money, uh, sometimes money, but I mean hope that, uh, hope that we're not alone, 
hope that we're not going to be in poverty for the rest of our life. Hope that, hope that this earth is not all there is. Do you know all those kind of questions? Yeah, and that's, and I, that's pretty much, I mean, I think, you know, I've traveled to 40 countries around the world. I mean, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people. I think I can say that's pretty, I mean, I don't, you don't have to go too far to find the evidence for that. Right. That's, that's, a, that's a global phenomenon, right? That's just a part of who we are as humans, I think. Yeah. Um, and there's this, this grand disconnect that happens in so many ways. And I think, I think um, you know, slowly as, as a dignity is brought back into people groups, as people experience love, as, uh, you know, as people go from poverty to, to wealth, and I don't mean that in a, in a financial sense, uh, all these things, um, as people act, connect in with their creator, then then these these fundamental things about who we are actually come alive. Right. And, right. and, and we're whole again. We're made whole through through those things. No, that's uh, that's good. Um, well, it's a good good place to end. I uh, one of one of my fave films in the last fifteen or twenty years was Shawshank Redemption and the tagline. Oh, yeah. I, I know the tagline by heart, but fear fear can hold you prisoner, and and hope will set you free. It's uh, yeah. I think it's a nice way to end. Thanks uh, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. It's yeah, uh, it, sure. it's been fun and interesting. I think we touched on a lot of different subjects. So uh, Jason Hildebrand, kind enough to give us about forty minutes of his day today, talking about uh, a lot of different things um, uh, on face to face here and check them out jasonhildebrand.com and the last name is h-i-l-d-e-b-r-a-n-d.com he's an actor he's a coach he's uh, he's doing corporate work he's doing live theater work and some film work so check him out online and thanks thanks for joining us today jason we'll uh i, I hope we can have you back another time thanks david